Perception. Perception is reality. Reality. Perception is reality. Reality. Some talk shows think all of their opinions are right. This one, this one knows they are. This is Perception is Reality. Christopher H. Bilbury is a no-nonsense, well, maybe a little bit of nonsense, political activist, local government watchdog, and all-around good Hoosier and God-fearing American citizen. Is this guy for real? Holding lawmakers accountable and educating citizens on the importance of participating in their local government with a dab of national and world politics and a little pop culture and maybe some real-life common sense. This, this is, is Perception is Reality. And this is Christopher H. Bilbrey. Well, thank you, Monty, for that introduction. And welcome, everyone, to Perception is Reality with Christopher H. Bilbrey. I am your host, Christopher H. Bilbrey. I want to welcome you to this big 70th episode. That's right. This is episode number 070. Thank you for tuning in and being with me whenever you're listening, wherever you're listening from, and however you're listening. I want to thank you for tuning in, whether this is your first episode or the fifth episode, or if you've been here since the beginning, I want to thank you for your time. I want to ask for just one small favor of you, and that is for you to help spread this show, this episode, the podcast as a whole, to all of your friends, your family, your co-workers, your neighbors, by word of mouth or by social media. I ask that you just help increase the listener base by just one. If everybody who listened told one person that would be drastic of course we continue to build the listener base and the shows continue to be listened to and downloaded by more and more and more people each and every episode every episode after episode after episode after tuesday after saturday after tuesday after saturday and i have only you guys to thank for this I consider this an absolute partnership, and you all play almost more of an important role than I do. I'm just here talking. You guys are directing a lot of the communication and directing a lot of what the shows are about, and I want to thank you. If you agree with something that I'm saying and if you want to be on the show or if you disagree with me and you want to be on the show for that, If there's something that you need to get to me, you feel that I should know, or you want others to know, if you have something that you feel would help the community, or if you know of something that's hurting the community, whichever community, your community, my community, other people's communities, please let me know. And you can do that by calling or texting the show at 765-546-9796 or by emailing the show at khbilbury at gmail.com. Besides the audio episodes, you can also check out the written material, the memes and other material that I produce, along with the live video episodes via social media on Facebook 
at Christopher H. Bilbury or by going to facebook.com backslash Bilbury 318. That's B-I-L-B-R-E-Y 318. Well, thank you for being here today. This is a big show. To me, this is a milestone. This is a very big show. I've been doing this since the first week of May 2019. I've been producing content in some form of podcast form for nearly two years, but the audio version has been going on since May 4th of 2019, and we've come a long way. We have, besides the 70 episodes, we have a lot of bonus material, and we're just 30 episodes out from number 100, which that'll be a big deal. But I wanted to do something a little bit different for this episode. I feel like the last two episodes, 68 and 69, have been very big shows. I believe later on down the road, we will look at episodes 68 and 69 as building blocks to a new path, a new way for the show. I believe that they're very important. If you haven't listened to episodes 68 and 69, please do so. And I, I've never felt like this was a podcast that was in serial form, meaning you don't have to listen to episode 5 to understand what's going on in episode 6. You've never had to listen in chronological order. Hell, you could listen to this backwards, or you could listen to every other odd episode, or every other even episode, or pick at random. Now, there are episodes that I feel are compatible with other episodes, and I normally link that in the descriptions, or I do my best to let you know that. But in reality, every episode is a standalone episode, and you could listen to any of these at any point in conjunction with any other episode. That being said, however you go about listening to 68 and 69, I do feel at some point everyone who listens to this podcast should listen to those two shows. And as we move forward into the 70s and the 80s and into the triple-digit shows... 68 and 69 are going to be two big important shows that I'm going to come back to time and time again talking about. But for this 70th show, I decided to do something a little different. Earlier today, before recording this, I was talking to producers Kate and Niles, and we were bouncing ideas off of each other and talking about writing and researching before I started the recording process. And it wasn't until I was talking with them that I realized episodes 68 and 69, I titled very close. Episode 68 was titled Transparency or Translucency, which was a this or that type of title. And episode 69 was Opponent versus enemy so another this versus that and 70 really was going to be another title kind of in that same vein but i wanted to do something different because i consider this to be 
a big milestone episode. And I promise politics, being educational, being informative, trying to get you active and interested and involved is always the mainstay of this podcast. And politics will always be the focus. And what's going on on the local level, the state level, and the national level will always be something that is the main portion of what we discuss here. But I got to thinking right before I started to record what I originally had planned that I wanted to do something a little different and it just come over me and it kind of was because of a conversation I had earlier in the week. One of the things that I feel connects me, at least in my head, to the people that I listen to, to the people that I'm fans of, to the people that I support, or to people that I listen to that I don't agree with, but I listen to to debate them or to argue or, or to have that kind of point-counterpoint type of feeling, the people that I respect and that I listen to, the radio host, the podcast host, I see them more than just disembodied voices out of the speaker who's trying to pump thoughts into our brains. I see them as complex people who have other thoughts, who have feelings, and who have issues outside of whatever the topic that they're talking about. If it's a political show, I understand that there's more to life than politics. If it's a show about history or about crime or about science, I realize that these people are people outside of their topic of interest. And what endears them to me and why I feel connected to them, whether I necessarily agree with them always or disagree, but specifically the people that I like and support and that I agree with, I feel connected to them because they also let me in and let us, the listeners, in to their life. We feel as though we're connected to them because they do their best to connect with us. And so I wanted to take a little bit of time and do that with you all because I hear from so many of you. You know, since about... June or July 2019, the listener base, your fellow listeners, you have been coming back to the show more and more and more, and more and more new people are coming. And I have all of you to thank for that. You know, this show only works because both of us are here. I look at this as a dialogue, as a conversation. I'm doing my part now. I put this out there. You guys listen to it when you listen to it. And then a lot of you communicate back with me. I get emails from people outside of Indiana. I get emails from people in the same city that I'm in. I get emails and text messages and Facebook messages from people who listen. People feel compelled to call or text me. 
And I welcome that. I don't have a problem with that. Whether people agree or disagree, I like hearing from you. And that's why I consider this a conversation or a discussion. It's kind of like those games of chess that people play from across the country. That's what I look at this as. I put my content out there each and every episode, and that's my move. And then you listen to it, and then you get back to me, and that's your move. And it's like a dance or a back and forth or give and take. And that's what I really, really love about this, and I really love about you guys. And so because of that, I wanted to do something just a little bit different. Even while I've been sitting here talking... I've realized that even though politics or what's going on locally isn't going to be the main focus of this episode, in a roundabout way, it really is. See, I feel what keeps me grounded and what allows me to see what the other side does and allows me to understand why people do things that are different than my opinion or it lets me see from both sides. What allows me to do that is the understanding that politics is just politics. Politics is not the real world and there is life outside of politics, and we all have to understand that. The person who is the mayor didn't go to college to be the mayor, and they've been the mayor forever. They've had a real life outside of politics at some point. Now, I understand people do get into politics, and it becomes a lifetime deal, and and I don't think that's a good thing, per se, but people even in politics, have issues and interests and things outside of politics. Like, for example, city council and a lot of other elected positions are only part-time gigs. Those people, those officials, still have other jobs. They have other issues and interests outside of politics, as we should all. So even though this is a political podcast and the focus is education, and the focus is getting you active and getting you keyed up and involved and wanting to be involved with a little bit of entertainment, I'm a real person, and you're all real people, and so that's why on the other side of this quick break, we're going to have a real-life conversation that is not related to local politics, state politics, or national politics. You're listening to Perception is Reality. I'm Christopher H. Bilbury, and we'll be right back after this quick break. Hey, Kevin, thinking about saving for retirement? Yeah, but how do I start? It's easy with Avvo, a retirement coach. Let's learn the Avvo bet. A is for taking action. Not anxiety? No, Kevin, you're going to be fine. You sick? Barely. V is for variety. Huh. Change up my strategy. Okay. Pose for optimize your savings. Let Avo lead the way. Visit aceyourretirement.org today. A message from AARP and the Ad Council. Now we go on the record with a one-on-one interview designed to engage, entertain, or enrage you. Perception is reality. On the record. 
All right, everybody, welcome back from break. My name is Christopher H. Bilbrey, and you're listening to this 70th episode of Perception is Reality. I used that bumper coming back from break on the record. I generally use that when I'm doing an interview with someone because it's what it says. But I decided to use that bumper because I'm going to talk to you in a different way, and it's going to be kind of like a one-on-one interview where I'm the person being interviewed. I'm not going to be talking about politics or my thoughts on politics or what's going on locally. I want to talk about something else, and it's something that affects each and every one of us, and it's uh, death. (laughs) I know that's not a fun topic to discuss, and I'm not going to be morose or I'm not going to be a freak. Please don't tune out. Stick around and let's talk about this. And I'm going to tell you why this came about. At the end of last week, the world was notified, or the announcement was made, that Neil Peart passed away on January 7th, 2020. Neil's family and his friends made the announcement on Friday, January 10th, a couple days after he actually passed, which knowing of Neil and about Neil and being a fan of Neil, that makes perfect sense. Now, if you are not aware of who Neil Peart is, Mr. Peart is or was, that's, I still can't believe that I'm saying that, Mr. Peart was the drummer for a band called Rush. Neil Elwood Peart was born in Canada on September 12th, 1952, and he succumbed to his three-year-long battle with glioblastoma, a form of brain cancer, on January 7th, 2020. And I'll tell you, it came as an absolute shock and surprise to me. Now, I know most of you right now are saying, what in the hell? If I haven't lost you, if you're still here, please stick with me for a little bit and let me explain. So, I was actually finishing up recording for episode 69 when the news came across my screen that Neil Peart had passed. And I first thought it was one of those weird things that happen when they come on and tell us all that Betty White has died. Or, for example, one day my mother called and told me that Gene Wilder had died. And I was like, I know, four years ago or five years ago. And she was like, what? No, it just says now. Very strange. I don't understand that aspect of the fake news culture. Why people do the shock telling people people are dead. That is insane to me. I don't understand. It doesn't serve any purpose. I guess it's the clickbait weirdness, but I don't get it. So that's the first thing I thought, because I originally thought, there's no way that Neil Peart is dead. He's, like, in his 60s. He's in great shape. He cannot be dead. And I... Quickly stopped recording, quickly stopped doing everything else, and I searched it up, and sure enough, he had succumbed to cancer, that bitch. And let me tell you, I was uh, immediately shocked. 
if you're not familiar, if you're not a music person, if you're not someone who likes classic rock, you might not know who Neil Peart is. Uh, I don't know how that's possible, but I guess it is possible. See, besides politics, to me, music is life. I am obsessed with music. A lot of my quotes and my weird words and different things I do, even here in the podcast, is based off music. And one of the things I absolutely hate is that I can't use music in this audio podcast. See, on the live shows, I use music instead of my intro and outro a lot of times. But due to copyright and issues with monetization and different things, I cannot use music in here. And it kills me because there's so much of what I talk about that music would be relevant to. And I have so many great songs I could use. I guess one day when I get on the radio, that's something I'll have to look forward to. But until then, I'm stuck with what I'm stuck with. That being said... Music is a big, big, big part of my life. And I don't mean like rock music or alternative music. I mean all music. I mean classical. I mean jazz. I mean rock. I mean country. I mean rap. I mean death metal. I love it all. If it has a melody, if it has clanging and bashing and beating around on drums... Pianos, guitars, synthesizers, vocals, whether they make sense or they don't, music is life to me. I am somebody that has always had a radio on. I have always listened to music. I played drums in a band from the time I was 10, 11 years old, all the way up through college and out of college. I played in a band that had four or five members for the majority of the time that I was in it. We played out various places, and we played covers, and we wrote our own material, and we ended up recording two and a half albums, well, two full albums, and then we were about halfway through a third when we broke up originally, And then we got back together a couple years later, and at that point on, we didn't record, but we just played, played out, and jammed together. So music is very important to me. No matter what I'm doing, politics or whatever else I'm doing besides politics, music is the glue that holds all of my life together. And in that band, I played the drums, and something odd I wrote lyrics. I've always been someone who's liked to create. I've liked poetry. I've liked words. I was obsessed with John Lennon and Paul McCartney as composers and as lyricists. And I've always been drawn to people who write. So one of the guitar players in the band, Josh Biner, played the guitar and wrote lyrics. And I played the drums and wrote lyrics. And that's one thing that really drew me to Neil Peart. The band Rush is a massive, massive, massive band. I mean, even if you're not a fan of classic rock and you say, no, I don't know the name of the band Rush, you are still going to know some of their songs. They have the hits such as Spirit of Radio, 
Limelight, Tom Sawyer, Xanadu, YYZ, Closer to the Heart, Subdivisions, Time Stand Stills, The Camera Eye, The Trees, Distant Early Warning, Free Will, and many, many more. And a lot of those hits, a lot of those songs, Neil Peart was either the sole writer of, or at least in some form, a contributing writer. And that was something that always amazed me, because normally drummers are seen as dumb or dim-witted, and it's kind of a joke that, you know, the drummer or the bassist really doesn't know much and isn't that smart. And that wasn't the case for Neil. Besides being an absolute badass drummer, he was very intelligent. He was nicknamed the Professor. He was someone that was shy, didn't like the limelight necessarily, didn't like the fans, and really was just liked to perform, loved his job, and liked the solitude of travel, liked nature, liked to adventure travel, and really just wanted to say, hey, you know, uh, I appreciate your love, and I appreciate that you connect with my music, but, you know, we don't know each other. And fans sometimes would think he was being stuck up or was somehow being an asshole, but he wasn't. And real true fans of Rush and people who understood Neil knew he was just shy. You know, he said famously that he was a fan and obsessed with The Who when he was growing up. But it never occurred to him to try to go to their hotel room or to their home or disrupt their life in any way. That just seemed crazy. And I think that that's a very good quote because it absolutely exemplifies, you know, what his thoughts were of fans trying to find him. And unfortunately, he had cancer and he passed away. And, you know, I've always been somebody, and this is why I'm talking about this. I've always been somebody who, when celebrities pass away and everybody acts real crazy, I remember everybody going crazy over Michael Jackson. And I thought, wow, I don't understand this. He's a cool dancer and he's had some hits and, and he's the king of pop. But... And I'm not even talking about the allegations of child molestation. I'm just talking about the fact that I didn't understand all these people going crazy over his death. Or you see these people crying back when Elvis died, and I just never really understood that. I mean, let me be clear. I am a lover of music like people will never understand. I could spend the next 10 years trying to explain how much music and different songs matter to me because of this reason or that reason or how this connects in my life. And I could never explain it to you in in, uh, 20 years. And that being said, I never understood being upset over a celebrity's death until January 11th, 2016. And... That is the day that David Bowie died. I've always been a fan of David Bowie. I've always loved his music. I thought he was a genius. I loved 
every aspect of Bowie's career. When he died, he had just released a new album, and the album was dark and wild and crazy. And I saw again on Facebook, similar to Neil Peart, that it said David Bowie had died. And I thought, oh, there's no way. And I clicked on it, and I was immediately punched in the gut because I, I found that it was true. And I clicked off of it, and I tried to put it out of my mind. I didn't want to think about it. And I'll be honest, I, I got choked up. I was laying in bed, and I kind of, I, I kind of like cried a little bit. I mean, I, I was really emotional. Now, keep in mind that I was also dealing with the battle my father was going through with cancer at the time. He was terminal, and not too long before, or real close to this point it was understood that he was definitely terminal. I knew that my father wouldn't be around too, too, too awful long. You know, he was 56 when he passed. He died on the 14th of June, 2016. And so it was just a, you know, six months, five months after Bowie passed that my dad passed. But when I first saw that Bowie had passed, and I realized that it was true, I didn't want to think about it. So I put it out of my mind, and it was just back there gnawing at me. And my dad called me, actually, later in the day, and he said, hey, did you see that David Bowie had died? And when he told me that, I was like, yeah, 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 I saw it. And, you know, I quickly get off the phone with him, and I just broke down. And, you know, I realize now that I was, while I was sad that Bowie had died... What was happening was I was, at that time, processing the battle that my father was going through. And in my mind, Bowie's death and my getting upset at that point started the process in a roundabout way of mourning my father or what would, you know, preemptively be mourning of my father. I mean, of course... You know, I hoped at that point that we would be able to fight longer. I, I knew that the prognosis was not good. Dad was eternally optimistic, and, you know, he planned to live forever, I believe. But, uh, you know, I was going to all of his doctor's appointments, and I was uh, taking care of his care, and I realized, you know, where we were pretty much in the treatment. And essentially, five months later, I walked into my dad's house in Muncie and found him deceased, and that was that. And now, I want to be very clear here. Of course, I was extremely upset about the death of my father. You know, I was very close to my dad. I'm very close to all of my parents. I had a wonderful childhood and a wonderful relationship with both my parents, my stepfather, who I look at as a father, and all of my grandparents. And so, of course, I was upset. But I also, I, I look at death very strange. I, I'm an optimist. Uh, I'm a Christian. And I have a deep-seated belief in God and in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Uh, but I also just look at death weird. And I, I don't know why that is. I don't know if it's because I have been around death as a police officer or I don't know why it is. 
I don't know why it is, but I, it just is. But I look at things differently, and I have no regrets. I mean, obviously, I would have liked to have had my dad longer, but we packed a lot into the 30-some years that we were together, and I have no regrets. And that's important for folks to not have any regrets. You don't want to have any regrets, and you don't want to leave anything unsaid. And you should always tell people that you care that you love them because you never know when it'll be the last time. But this is not really what the point of the show is about. It was just all happening at the same time. And I could do another thousand podcasts about the death around my father and all of this and all of that. But the reason I'm talking about this is just how emotions get you and what strikes up because it was before my father passed that I was emotional about David Bowie and I didn't really know why because I'd never been like that before. But I realize now looking at David Bowie when he passed and to me I was emotional because I was going through as I said a preemptive mourning for my father knowing the battle that we were going through and knowing that it was terminal and knowing that you know sooner rather than later I would be dealing with my father's death led to this preemptive mourning which in my opinion helped me later on when my dad did pass away just a couple months later and so it's not that I'm saying music and songs don't touch my life in a special way or this song doesn't remind me of this time in high school or this music doesn't remind me of that time driving down that road or that time in Indy. You know, I have all of those moments just like everyone else does, but being someone who's written music about things and then who's made music about nonsense and being someone who creates this type of stuff and someone who's always been, you know, kind of in some form or another, someone who has been a creative type of an individual, I understand that sometimes there's magic in it and sometimes there's not. And what really struck me was a conversation between John Lennon and a homeless hippie in 1971, and it was actually videotaped for a movie that they were making at the time about John Lennon, and we'll hear that here. There was no sort of particular security, and one of our assistants told us that there was this strange guy that was just staying in our gardens almost every night. John always felt responsible for these people because they were the result of his songs. That's how he felt. Don't confuse the songs with your own life. I mean, they might have relevance to your own life, you know, but a lot of things do. So we met, you know, I'm just a guy, man, who writes songs, you know. Yeah, I figured that if we met, I'd know just by reading But know what? It all fits. Anything fits, you know, if you're tripping off on some trip. Anything fits, you know. Can you boy, you're going to carry that weight for a long time? Did that was just That's Paul saying that. Yeah. Paul saying that? But that belongs to all of us. He's thinking about all of us. Remember that one, um, you can radiate everything you are, you can penetrate anywhere you go? Yeah. I was just having fun with words. It was an, literally a nonsense song, you know. 
I mean, Dylan does that. Anybody does it, you know. They just take words and you have you stick them together and, and see if they have any meaning. Some of them do, some of them don't. See, that last album of mine was me coming out of my dream. You can last your whole life on that dream, you know. And then it's all over. You weren't thinking of anyone in particular when you were singing all that. How could I be? How could I be thinking of you, man? Well, I don't know. Maybe I don't care me, but it's all, it's all somebody. I'm thinking about me, or at best, Yoko, if it's a love song. I'm saying, you know, I had a good shit today, and uh, this is what I thought this morning, and, uh, you know, and, or I love you, Yoko, whatever. I'm singing about me and my life, you know, and if it's relevant for other people's lives, that's all right. So here you've got a pretty confused young man who's walked on to John Lennon's property in 1971, and John Lennon actually took the time to talk with him, and this gentleman's saying, you know, hey, you know, I, I figured if we met... You know, uh, it would all make sense, and and Lennon's saying, well, "What would make sense?" And he and the guy said, "You know, everything." And he said, "You know, what about that lyric in the Beatles song, Carry That Weight?'" And it says, "Boy, you're going to carry that weight." And John said, "Well, that was, <laughs> that was Paul." And uh, the guy said, "Oh," and he said, "You know, but that was all of us, and you know, you can like that." And the guy said, "Well, you know, what about?" You can radiate and penetrate anything that you want, which is uh, words in a John Lennon song in the Beatles called Across the Universe. And John said, you know, it's a nonsense song, man. I I just wrote this, and and it didn't mean anything, and I'm just having fun with words. And, uh, you know, the songs that I write are about me and my life, and they don't mean anything. It's just, it's me having fun, and, uh, you know, if it's a love song, it's me writing it about, you know, who I love, and, you know, at one point he says, I, I talk about what I'm thinking about in the day, and if, if I, I, you know, hello, this is good morning, I woke up and I had a good shit, and uh, if I, uh, you know, if I'm writing a love song, I love you, Yoko, and I, that just always really, really radiated with me, because John Lennon said, you know, I'm writing about me and my life, and if it has meaning in your life, then great. And so that's why I never really got whole into getting so emotionally attached. Although I am emotionally attached to songs, I know it's just the artist doing his job, basically, is what's happening and what it breaks down to. And that's how I've always looked at that. So that's one of the reasons why I never understood getting emotional when actors or or musicians pass away but when bowie died i was emotional because i was going through the death of my father skip forward to october of 2017 october 2nd actually which was a horrible horrible situation because october 1st into the 2nd is when the horrible shooting in Las Vegas occurred. And I was watching the news of this, and it was just a horrible massacre. I mean, it was such a horrible deal. And it was... It was god-awful, the shooting that occurred in Las Vegas. And then it broke across the TV that Tom Petty was unconscious and he'd been rushed to the hospital and he was in cardiac arrest and they had him and they were working him. 
And then it came out and said he was gone. And I was floored, man. I'm telling you, it hit me like a ton of bricks. I've been a massive Tom Petty fan forever. Forever, ever, ever. Bigger than Bowie. Bigger than Bowie. And I I still feel it when I watch Tom Petty music videos and different things on YouTube. I just am so emotional and can't believe that he's gone, man. I just, I can't, I can't dig it. I just, it's, it's a hard thing to, to get behind. And so then, of course, jump forward to January 10th, hearing that the professor died. Neil Peart, the drummer of Rush, and that it was cancer, man. Cancer, what a bitch is cancer. You know, three months after my father passed, I lost my grandmother to cancer. And then all of these people, Bowie died of cancer, and and Neil Peart died of cancer. <laughs> Tom Petty died of an accidental drug overdose, and I, I don't mean to laugh at that, that's not funny, but he had a combination of fentanyl, oxycodone, uh, another type of fentanyl, all opioids, and then along with alazapram and klonopin in his system. And so that's what did old Tommy in, but, you know, the rest of these people I've been talking about here have all died of cancer, and that's just horrible. And you know, we're to this point here at 40-some minutes into the show, and I'm not really talking about anything, but I consider this still a big show because this is what's been on my mind. I've been in a little bit of mourning over Neil Peart, and that makes me think back to Tom Petty, which made me think of David Bowie, and of course all of that surrounds the loss of my father and my grandmother, and I wanted to take a chance, instead of talking about some other political story or some thought that people could argue with, and I wanted to talk about something personal. And I wanted to take this time to say, death affects us all. Everyone knows or will know someone that'll die, and each and every one of us will die. Life is precious, and there's so much more out there in the world than politics, and even when we're fighting and arguing and disagreeing, we still have to understand that we're all just human and that we're all people. And so, while this wasn't necessarily directed at anyone politically, and it didn't really cover any massive political topics, it, one, gave you a glimpse into me. I, like I said, and in a little bit of mourning over the loss of someone that I've respected for various different reasons. Like others, yes, there are songs that have meant various things, to me in various parts of my life. But beyond that, I've learned other things from Mr. Peart, like 
how to look at philosophy or how to approach creating different types of art because he's offered more, obviously, than just drumming and writing lyrics to some of the most amazing songs ever made in rock music. But the reason I did this show was to give you just a glimpse into me to understand that there's more than just the politics. And maybe that will help you look at others and understand when your political opponent, not enemy, but opponent, when your political opponent is saying this or that, or when you are agreeing or disagreeing, there are other things going on in that person's life. And I'm going to, from time to time, take opportunities to talk with you guys and have conversations with you about other aspects than just politics. Because although it's very important and we must get active and we must get involved and we must be ready to act, we also have to understand that we're all human. And if anyone out there is dealing with more than they can handle, if anyone is depressed or hurting or sad, if you ever feel like something stupid is going to happen or you're going to do something, definitely please call 911. If you need someone to talk to, you're more than welcome to call me. You can talk with me. I'm a safe person, a safe place, whether we agree or disagree. I love everyone, and I'm going to do everything I can to help people. And in the end, politics are politics, and I understand that life is more precious than anything, and we all need to be able to see that we're all in this together, whether we're on the same side politically or not, and we need to just understand that there is more to life than politics and we can if we just take a couple deep breaths if we set and look at what's going on and we try to use common sense and realize that the person that we're talking to is a real life human being that has other issues and thoughts and things going on that we probably couldn't even fathom. If we realize that, maybe it would make us better in the political realm because we would be able to look at that person as a person and not as some kind of enemy that we are out to destroy or prove wrong or damage or hurt simply because they have an R or a D next to their name while we have the other letter next to ours. We need to understand that people are people, man. And in the end, in the real world... Perception is not reality. Reality is reality. 
we're here, we're living in it, and that's all I gotta say. But of course, I stand behind the premise that in politics, perception is reality, and I will always stand behind that. And I will always come back to the politics, and I very much enjoy what I do, I very much enjoy my time with all of you, and I very much thank you all for listening. I thank you for your communication, your time, your work, and your effort, and I promise you 70 more shows, 70 times 70. Let's do it until we're all making a difference. You're listening to Perception is Reality. I'm Christopher H. Bilbrey, and we'll be right back after this quick break. Perception, perception is reality. Reality. Perception is reality. Reality. All right, folks, that's going to do it for this 70th episode. Sorry it was kind of a downer, but I just wanted to give you a look into my life behind the scenes, beyond the politics. And right now it's been just a little bit of a bummer. That's kind of what goes on. I'm a human with feelings and thoughts and other emotions outside of politics, as are all of you. And we just need to remember to try to work together to do the best that we can to better government through citizen involvement. If you could, please share the show with everyone that you know, and we'll see you back here next time. God bless. You've been listening to Perception is Reality with Christopher H. Bilbrey. Bilbrey. Tune in, like, and subscribe at perception.fireside.fm. Hook up on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Bilbrey318 and on Twitter at PISRBilbrey. Email khbilbrey at gmail.com or get off your butt and call the show at 765 546 9796. Till next time, remember, perception, perception is, is reality. Reality. This has been Perception is Reality with Christopher H. Bilbrey, where we aim for better government through citizen involvement.